Now you're wondering what this is. I'm, I'm getting sophisticated tonight. I have an iPad and I have an iPad stand. Say, why are you doing that? Because I want to. Okay. And I thought on camera it would look pretty cool. You know, I can make a point and then go. So I'm going to be doing a lot of that. But tonight we're going to look at um, the last parable that Jesus gave in response to the disciples' three questions. We're going to go over all of that. We're going to talk about the parable of the talents. And it's going to be good stuff, really good stuff. And, I'm, I'm so, and at the end, when I'm finished, we're going to show you a quick minute and a half video of upstairs and a little walkthrough so you can have an idea of where we are and where we're going. And uh, I take different people up there all the time. And when I take preachers up there, they always get a Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost bumps. And they always say to me, this youth room is also going to be an upper room. And I said, you, you took it right out of my mouth. That's what I've been saying. So it's going to be great. We're going to see that at the end. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Speak your word to us tonight, we pray, and we thank you, Lord, for giving us an understanding that we would understand the times and not be in the dark as to what's going on prophetically, what you are doing in the earth. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. You breathe a prayer and say, Lord, speak to me tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them it's going to be good. You better perk up and listen. You're going to need it. All righty. Now, as we've studied what Jesus said concerning the last days and answer to three questions from his disciples, you know, Jesus said this, this temple is coming down and the holy city is going to be destroyed. They said, when will these things be? Well, be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. Then Jesus took Matthew 24, verse 4, all the way through Matthew 25 to the end and answered it. So here's what he said. He, he predicted things both near and far. He said that his own generation would witness the destruction of the great temple and they would also experience the horrific destruction of Jerusalem. Here's what Jesus told his, uh, his listeners. If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes, the days are going to come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. You know, that just touches me, the power of our Lord. Because he said this 40 years before 70 AD, when Jerusalem was surrounded, when soldiers encamped around it, just like he said right here, as if he was standing there watching it, they will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. You know, it's a real serious thing when God comes knocking and we don't respond. Okay? Because here's the whole city of Jerusalem. Their Savior was in their midst, healing the sick, raising the dead, teaching and speaking like no man ever taught, and yet they crucified him. And so here's Jesus predicting exactly what they were going to experience. And 40 years later, that's precisely what happened. Over a million Jews were slaughtered in the city of Jerusalem. 
It was a terrible, unprecedented event. And uh, exactly what the Lord Jesus said would happen, happened. Now, Jesus also warned of the signs that would precede his second return to earth. Worldwide apathy, he said, and indifference to prophetic warnings. Sexual perversion would be worldwide, as in Noah and Lot's day. Are we there? An increase in natural disasters, like famine, earthquakes, and signs in the heavens, and, and so on. And all of these things are discussed in Matthew 24, if you want to read about it in Luke 21, or you can read about it in Mark 13. The synoptic gospels, and they're called synoptic, by the way, because they all pretty much say the same thing. They, they agree, they, they share the same events and same stories and same uh, witnesses and so on and so forth. John is the only difference. So you have the three synoptics, and they are Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and they all record Jesus' end time predictions and his answer to his disciples. And uh, so not only did he predict things that were coming, but he took the very end of Matthew 24 all the way through Matthew 25 and gave us three parables to explain different things we need to understand about while we're waiting for his return. And three parables, they are these, the parable of the householder, the parable of the ten virgins, and the parable of the talents. Now we've looked at the parable of the householder and the parable of the ten virgins. Tonight we're going to look at the parable of the talents. And I want you to keep in mind that beginning in Matthew 24, as I said, verse 4 and all the way through Matthew 25, Jesus is delivering one continual answer to the three questions. He never stops to take a breath. It is one uninterrupted stream. So if you want to read about end time events and what Jesus said about it and uh, just read Matthew 24 and 25 and you see uh, a major sermon on his part and all of it was prophetic. Now the three parables all have to do with the responsibility of the church while waiting for his return. The parable of the householder, if you'll remember, deals with communal responsibility. What I said, how we one another one another. He's, gonna, he's going to come and, and judge how we treated each other. That's the parable of the householder. How did my church treat one another? Like he told us to, love one another as I've loved you. That's the parable of the householder. The parable of the ten virgins deals with personal responsibility. Have you kept your lamp burning? There's that old song we used to sing, give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning, burning, burning. How many of you know that song? The rest of you are lost. No. Give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning, burning, burning. Give me oil in my lamp, I pray. Give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning, burning, burning. Keep me burning till the break of day. Sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna. I'm going back in time. All right. Anyway, the parable of the ten virgins is personal responsibility. First parable, communal. Second personal responsibility, you must take care of your own spirit man, your inward life. It's your responsibility. So that's the parable of the virgins. And then the parable of the talents deals with kingdom responsibility. So we have communal responsibility, personal responsibility, and kingdom responsibility all covered in these three parables. Kingdom responsibility that we're going to talk about tonight, how effectively each of us distributes the goods of the kingdom to the world. What are you doing with what Jesus gave you? Jesus said, 
go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He didn't say expect the world to come to you. He said go. And then in Matthew, he said go therefore and make disciples. So in Mark, he said go preach the gospel. In Matthew, uh, it's go make disciples. And that's two things that ought to always go together. You get somebody saved, you ought to disciple them. Now, let's read the parable of the talents. And I'm going to give you a heads up. I'm going to use the NIV translation, which substitutes the word talent with bags of gold. It's a little bit easier to understand. And when I read it today, I thought, wow, I need to use that. So let's read Matthew 25, 14 to 30. And again, this is the NIV. Jesus said, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once. And what did he do? Read it with me. And put his money to work and gained five bags more. And the one with two bags of gold did the same thing. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Well, after a long time, I'm so glad Jesus said, after a long time. Jesus knew he wasn't coming back the next week. He said, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. Now, the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. And master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, let's read it together. Well done good and faithful servant. Keep reading. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Now, let me tell you what a success is. A success is not the one who dies with the most toys. You've seen the bumper sticker, right? That's not a success. A success is the one who hears those words. Who did the Lord's will, and at the end of time, he hears Jesus saying, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Because if you hear anything less than that, you didn't live wisely. I'm going to say it again. If you hear anything less than that, you sure don't want to hear, depart from me, I never knew you. But anything less than well done, thou good and faithful servant, uh, you miss something. You miss the mark. And that's what sin means. Sin means to miss the mark. So this is what we all want to hear. And then the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrust me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, say it, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful to a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. What in the world are we going to be in charge of? If we get that set over us, well done, good and faithful servant, what are we going to be in charge of? Oh, listen, we are not going to float around on clouds with harps and wings. That used to scare me because I thought I'll be bored in one week. Seriously, I used to really be a little concerned about that. I know my mind. I need to be challenged. So, listen, Jesus said, in the next life, something is going to be going on where those who have been faithful in the house of God now are going to be put over things then. Powerful stuff. If Jesus said it, you can bank on it. Then verse 24, then the man who had received one bag of gold came 
And look what he said. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was, what everyone? Afraid. And what did his fear make him do? And went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is where it belongs, or here is what belongs to you. And his master was not thrilled. His master said, you wicked, lazy servant. That's what you don't want to hear. So you knew. Now, you, you need to understand, as, as we read the words of Jesus here, he's being sarcastic. He's not agreeing with him. He's being sarcastic. So you thought you knew. That's the way you can read it. That I harvest where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. That's what you think? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from this one and give it to the one who has ten bags, for whoever has will be given more, and whoever has not uh, will lose even what he had. That'll be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Ouch. And say, what's the outer darkness? I don't know. I know I don't want to go there. It's not hell. It seems to me it's like a, the outer periphery of, of heaven. It's not, I want to be careful here because I'm, I'm real, I want to interpret this right. It's not the fires of hell. We can put it this way. It's certainly a place where there was no reward for this servant. Now, once again here, we have the figure of the master, as in the first two parables, departing and leaving his affairs to his servants. The servants represent the church, you and me. We're in this parable. This is about us. This is the third parable about us. The servants represent the church, and, of course, the master is Jesus. He's gone for a long time. And in the first parable, he left them to care for one another in his absence. In the second parable, he leaves them to take care of their own spiritual vitality. But now in the parable, the third parable, he leaves them, the church, in charge of his kingdom business. It is kingdom work. We, this is not, this church, any church that's committed to him, dedicated to him, given to him. It's not a business. It's a ministry involved in kingdom business, kingdom work. We are the hands of Jesus, the eyes of Jesus, the ears of Jesus, the mouth of Jesus. And this parable tells us that he left his wealth with us. And here's why, that we would invest it in his absence so that when he returns he gets a return on his investment so so when he said go therefore and make disciples and go into all the world and preach the gospel he's saying he's saying and, and don't go anywhere until you've received the power of the spirit from on high he's saying i'm sending you out on kingdom business to do what i did when i was here and it's worth noting that not only did jesus powerfully illustrate the certainty of his return in Matthew 24 with the picture of lightning flashing across the sky where everybody sees it. But with every one of these three parables, the whole message is, I'm coming back one day. You can bank on it. Be ready. 
That's, that's in every one of these. And he's answering that question. When will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? Now, first thing you want to know is, what is the talent or the bag of gold? What is it? What's he talking about when he talks about this bag of gold or the talent? Here's what the talent is not. It has nothing to do with, say, the ability to sing. Just want to let you know. Or the ability to speak or the ability to paint, or or whatever. It has nothing to do with what we talk about natural talent. So, So get that out of your head. That's not it. So what is the wealth of the kingdom, the bag of gold, the talent that he has entrusted us as stewards to invest into the world in his absence? The wealth consists of everything available to us in the person of Jesus Christ. Can I sum up what the wealth is in one word? Jesus. That's the wealth. He is the summation of the kingdom of God. When he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, we could easily change that. Say, seek Jesus first and his righteousness because the kingdom of God is summed up and encapsulated in him. But let's let's elaborate a little bit. It means that we're to declare the fact that God manifested himself to mankind in the person of Christ. So it's the gospel. Then he went to the cross, bore the sins of the world, rose from the dead, and now lives forever at the right hand of God the Father. Those are bags of gold. Those are truths that will save your soul forever. Listen to the way that Paul described the riches of Jesus. The bag of gold is described by Paul, quote, he is the head of all principality and power. You are complete in him. So we can say, I'm incomplete without him. In whom, Jesus, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's not in Plato. It's not in Socrates. It's not in Aristotle. It's not in Nietzsche. It's not in Kant. It's not in any of those philosophers. It is in him. He is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Christ, Paul wrote in Corinthians is the wisdom of God and the power of God. In Ephesians 2, 7, he said the, he, the exceeding, he talked about the exceeding, listen to this, riches, bag of gold, riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. How many of you can say that since you got saved, you immediately received some bags of gold into your spirit? I mean, seriously. And that's really a poor comparison because he's so much better than gold. So here's the idea, and I want us to really get this as a church, because if you, if you don't get this as a church, here's what you get involved in, the social gospel, where, where church is all about just feeding the hungry and taking care of the needy, and that's a part of what every church ought to do. But the deeper calling is that we would invest the riches of Jesus into a lost and dying world. So all of the incalculable spiritual wealth available in Jesus Christ is the bag of gold in Jesus' parable. And as his church, we've been entrusted to not uh, keep it to ourselves, but distribute it to a lost and dying world, to invest it in the lives of others who will in turn bring forth fruit and become investors in the kingdom of God as well. See, let's look at it this way. God saved you through his son. 
right? The, the Son of God died for you, rose from the dead, and when you heard the gospel, you got saved. And when you got saved, God put his spirit to live inside of you. But he also had this in mind, that you would in turn go out and touch others and share the gospel riches with others. And so I think we could look at it this way. You and I are God's investment. I'm, I'm his investment. He's invested in me. He's put his treasure in me. Paul said we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the glory might be of him and not of us. And we are to take that treasure and share it with others. Why are we on the radio in every state in the union? Why do we evangelize all the time? Why do we give the invitation for people to get saved? Why are we teaching the Bible like, you know what I'm doing right now? I'm putting gold in you. And you know what you're to do with that? Don't keep it to yourself. That's the whole message of this parable. Don't keep it to yourself. Now, the second thing we notice in the parable is that, and this is very interesting to me, that God gave varying amounts to each man, watch this carefully, according to his ability. One man was given five, another two, and a third man was given one. I used to think that that last guy buried it because all he got was one. And he was mad that he only got one. But that's not what it means at all. Jesus makes it very clear that the talents were given according to each man's ability. Now, this is an incredible truth that the church really needs to understand. I wish I had understood this 20 years ago. 30 years ago, because the varying amounts given to each man had nothing to do with bigger opportunity. The man with five talents was not confronted with more open doors, hence given more to distribute, had nothing to do with greater opportunity. The amount, five, two, and one, was given each man based on his ability to handle it to use it. Jesus said, each according to his ability. Now, God will entrust to each of us what we have the gifting to handle. Do you know that? Isn't that good to know? Uh, we know that eagles fly thousands of feet in the air. And they're way up there, and they are majestic, aren't they? But I, I've got a little bird feeder out in my backyard, and I feed those little guys every day. I just like feeding them, watching them, listening to them. As a matter of fact, when I'm studying for Sundays and Wednesdays, I have that little feeder right in the window where I can look at it. Because I just think they're, all, they're little miracles, every one of them. But you know what I've noticed? Every bird that's on that feeder, they primarily fly about 10 to 20 feet above the ground, and it stops there. You will never see a sparrow up where eagles fly. And you won't see an eagle down where they fly. God would never say to that little sparrow, hey, fly higher. Get up there where the eagles fly and do it now. He would die on the way up. Right? Now here's, here's the message of the parable. God will never require a person with the ability to handle one bag of gold to go distribute five bags. 
God won't break you or cripple you with kingdom responsibility you're not fitted for. Are you following me? And this is such a good thing because you know what it does away with once you understand this? Like, like if, if, if he's trusted me with one bag of gold and he's trusted you with five, if I really understand this, I will never be jealous of you that he's entrusted five to. Because I understand the principle. He didn't give me more than I could handle. He only gave me what I could handle. And so if he's trusted me with one bag of gold and you with five and somebody else with ten. See, how many of us have ever looked at somebody who seemed to have it all? I mean, they were anointed and appointed. They could dance. They could sing. They could preach. They could teach. They could bang a tambourine. They could do cartwheels. They could do all kinds of things. And then you felt like, gee, I, I can't do much. I can do one thing. And inside of you, that green-eyed monster grew. And you say, that's not fair. But if I understand that God made different strokes for different folks. He made different abilities for different people. And if I understand that he's only going to give me the calling that I can handle in the way he wired me, then I'm never going to be jealous of the one with five or the one with ten. And the one with five or with ten should never look at me and look down on me. Because we each have been gifted according to our own ability. All of us in this room, watching right now, listening on radio, we all have boundaries and parameters we should not cross. I want you to listen carefully to me now, because I've seen people have nervous breakdowns in ministry. I've seen people have nervous breakdowns and, and uh, burn out and fizzle out and, and faint and leave the church and get out of prayer because they had so much going on, they taxed themselves beyond the boundaries God intended for them to handle. We all have boundaries and perimeters. Even Paul knew where he could go and where he should stop. Listen to what Paul wrote. He said, but we will not boast of authority we do not have. Our goal is to measure up to God's plan for us, and this plan includes our working there with you. Now listen to this. We are not going too far when we claim authority over you. For we were the first to come to you with the good news concerning Christ. It is not as though we were trying to claim credit for the work someone else has done among you. Instead, we hope that your faith will grow and that still... Now, read this next part with me out loud. Still within the limits set for us. Did you catch that? Our work among you will be greatly enlarged. You know what Paul is saying? He's saying God allowed us to come to you, Corinthians. But there are limits. There are boundaries in our outreach and what God's allowed us to do. And we will not go beyond the limits that God has set for us. We're not going to exceed our gifting. We're not going to exceed our call. We're not going to presume that because we did it there, we can do it over here. Amen. We're only going to go where he directly sends us. Selah. You know what that means? Think about it. Okay? This is the mighty Apostle Paul. wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. The man of Revelation... No one like him in history, in my opinion, next to Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul, in my opinion. Amen. Matter of fact, can I tell you something? The older I grow, the more I am amazed at Paul. 
I'm not lifting up a man. And Peter was great in God and all the rest of the apostles. But Paul, in my opinion, was the greatest man in history next to Christ. His missionary zeal, his sacrifice, his willingness to suffer, his wisdom, his writings impact more people. And anyway, I don't want to brag on Paul too much because we all know why he was what he was, right? Even he said, I am what I am by the grace of God. But, the, but Paul said, we, we got limits. We have limits set for us, and we're not going to exceed those limits. According as each man had ability is a revelation of natural fitness. I call it somebody's water level. So the master gave to one man five bags, to the other two, and to one one, each according to his ability. And so here, here's, here's how I'd like to close this thought. Um, say with me, I'm not going to exceed the grace of God on my life. You know, what does God grace you to do? Do that. But don't assume, and I've seen people do this, well, since I did it here, then I can presume to go do it anywhere. But we are all people subject to the leading of the Spirit. And we can't exceed the boundaries God's given us. Right now, for instance, God has given us this building, this church, the radio outreach we have, the internet outreach we have. We reach thousands of people every single day. But you know what? We can't go beyond that until God takes us beyond that. In the meantime, it's according to our own ability. Put another way, you're not Superman, you're not Superwoman. We are what we are by the grace of God. Now, then the master finally returned, and he wanted a reckoning of what each man had done with his stewardship. The man with five bags had earned five more. He received the Lord's commendation. Well done, good and faithful servant. Then the one with two revealed he had also invested the kingdom riches and got two more. And so the Lord, the master's investment in him paid off. But then the master approaches the man with one bag, and his story is very, very different. First, you know what he did? He lied about his Lord. He lied about him. And the Lord refuted his lie by repeating it to him. Look at verse 24 says, Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you haven't sown, gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. And then he repeats everything that he said. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, and when I would have returned, I would have received. So he's saying, you should have invested what I gave you. This man did not bury his one bag of gold because he was only given one. He buried it because he had a poor concept of his master. Listen carefully to me. It matters what you believe about God. Because notice, this man did not invest, did not use what God had given him. His life did not count for God. The Lord got nothing back in his investment in his life. He, he didn't do anything with the bag of gold that was entrusted to him. So at the end of his days, he had nothing to show for his days. And what was one of the problems? He thought the master was mean and unfair. And so he said, well, I'm not dealing with you. Matter of fact, I'm scared of you. Do you know how many people 
have a skewed view of God, and that's why they don't do anything in kingdom work. That's why they're not in church. There are people who really do believe each and every day they wake up that God's out to get them. He's just waiting for them to make a mistake so he can stomp on them like a cockroach. You miserable, lousy sinner. They picture God with steam coming out of his ears and an angry, furrowed brow. That's their picture of God. He's out to get me. He is out to get you. But he's out to get you blessed. He's out to get you healed. He's out to get you delivered. He's out to get you fixed. But when you're taught... Friends, if I stood up here and said, you know what, folks, God doesn't heal anymore. He doesn't deliver anymore. He doesn't talk anymore. All you have is the Bible. Aside from that, you're not going to hear the voice of the Lord. And you can forget praying uh, for healing if you're sick. And you can sure forget getting oppression off of you. All those miracles, they ended in the first century. Did you know there are churches that preach that each and every Sunday? And they are called cessationists. That all of his work ceased in the first century. Well, you get into trouble. Who do you go to when you're in all that trouble? Are you going to go up if you've been told he doesn't do anything anymore? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But if I get up here and I teach every week that Jesus heals and I give testimonies of his healing and I show you the healing scriptures and I carry you through the word of God, when you get sick, where are you going to go? Up. Because of what you have been taught about God. Well, this guy, he had a terrible concept of God. You're mean, you're unfair. I'm afraid to deal with you, so I'm going to hide what you get. I wonder how many people listening here tonight and out there watching, I wonder how many of you have hidden what God gave you. It's buried in the ground. So I'll go to church, I'll listen to Pastor Jeff, I like watching him sweat, and I like the worship. But, man, I'm not going to get involved. Oh, no, I'm not going to get involved. Because I'll probably get hurt like I got hurt before. Um, I'm just going to be one of these silent witnesses, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit, wait, nothing about you guys in the back there. But I'm going to sit way, way back in the back. I, I'm not pointing to you. I'm just, it's an illustration. Some of them just got up and moved closer. No. Um, And I'm going to be a spectator, but you see, Christianity is not a spectator sport. Christianity is a participator sport. We're all supposed to be on the field helping carry the ball down the field to the goal line. We're all supposed to be involved. But see, what you think about God is going to affect whether or not you're in the game. And that's what happened to this man. Having had a bad concept of the Lord, he was exposed in the end, trying to make a poor excuse for not bearing fruit. The bottom line message of this parable is, be faithful with what God has entrusted to you according to your ability. Invest his treasure into a dying world. And you know what? I believe in doing it individually, and I believe that God wants every Christian to join a corporate, join a church and lock arms with that vision. And not only are we individually to carry the kingdom to lost and dying people, but we're also corporately to do that as a local church. And that's why I believe in the local church. Listen, you don't do as well when you're not in a local church. Committed. 
I mean, can I just say the word commitment? It's almost a cuss word in our day. But if you're not committed, where, where you come into a place, you say, wow, I like this vision. This vision resonates with me. What this church is doing resonates with my heart. I want to be a part of this. I want to put my hand to this plow, and I want to help them plow this field. And when you do that, then God says, well done, thou good and faithful servant, because that's what the body of Christ is all about. Two are better than one. A, a church of committed on fire, people can do way more than an individual. So this man, he missed it, but the first two, they got it. Now, where are you tonight? Where are you tonight? Are, are you a spectator? Are you a participator? Are you thinking about being a participator? Are you taking the treasures that God has invested in you and are other people receiving some of that gold? That's the call of God and the purpose of God. And that's what this parable is all about. So here's these three parables in a nutshell. True to him, the household is always at peace. Waiting for him, the lamps are always burning. Working for him, glory is brought to his name. That's the three parables. Now, how many of you tonight can say, Jeff, I really do want my life to count for God in these last days before Jesus comes again? And how many of you can say, I, I, want, I don't want to bury the gold that God's put in me. But I want to distribute it to a dying world. Amen? Let's stand together tonight, can we? Isn't God so good? God is so good. When I was 18 years old, I had an incredible experience with the Holy Spirit that changed my, my life. Salvation changed my life, but the the, the experience, you can call it baptism in the Holy Spirit and filling of the Holy Spirit, touch of the Holy Spirit, anointing of the Holy Spirit. Let's not worry about semantics. All I can tell you is I had a powerful experience with the Holy Spirit. It was like those rocket ships that blast off at Cape Canaveral. They have that initial thrust that carries them into space, and that's what the Holy Spirit was like for me. And immediately, God began to deal with me to share the gold. Share the gold, share the gold, share the gold. And it totally defined my life, all of my life. I was preaching by the time I was 19, doing Bible studies by the time I was 20 and 21. I've been doing this my whole life. And at 41 now, it's been a long time. <laughs> You know what? If I could do it all over, I'd do the same thing. I'd do exactly the same thing. Because there's a whole lot of people walking around with gold because I gave gold away. How much gold have you given away to others? Can we pray that this week, that this week we have some divine encounters and you're going to hear the Holy Spirit say this to you. He's going to say, you remember what you heard Wednesday night? You got gold in you. Now, give some gold to this person. Just, just talk to them about me or, or pray for somebody. That's gold. Share Jesus. That's the gold. Take somebody a meal in his name. That's gold. 
So can we pray for that? Let's lift our hands right to the Lord and say, Lord, tonight, thank you for this parable of the talents. Lord, you have put gold in me. And I pray tonight, give me a divine encounter. Help me to share that gold and not bury it under the ground. That I would hear the words, well done, on that great day. Now, we're going to worship for a minute. Jeff's just going to lead us in in a couple of minutes of worship. And I want you to have a time with Jesus. I believe he's depositing some gold tonight in some of you. And and, and stirring you up. and, And refreshing you in the faith. So, as we worship, I'm going to ask you just to have a conversation with Jesus. Say, Jesus, tonight, tonight, I give you my life. You've given me so much gold spiritually help my life to count for you just talk to him about it and let's sing jeff and lead us in worship thank you about if you can say Jeff that's exactly what I was just thinking I need to come back to him give him my life again commit fully to him and get back in the game can you slip your hand up and just say that's me I'm going to do that tonight I'm going to pray God bless you many of you I want you to pray this with me say Lord tonight I come home I come home to you and I ask you Lord restore my walk restore my call restore my destiny that I would walk in the fullness of my destiny in Jesus name now lift your hands and let's sing it again I surrender all yes I surrender all yes Lord yes Lord I surrender all yes Lord Thank the Lord tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Say with me, communal responsibility, personal responsibility, kingdom responsibility. Amen. That's the parables. I want you to pray with me about something before we go.
Um, well, we're going to show that video, but I want to I want to pray for a person before I show you this video. Uh, there, there's a lady that's been with us for years and years. She hasn't been in this church much because she lived too far away and several reasons. But um, she got a real bad report oh a few months ago, and, and tonight it looks like it's going to be her night. She's only fifty-ish, forty, and she has asked us to come after church and uh, it's going to be her home going tonight or sometime real soon and I want to pray for her she's got family around her sisters around her it's a real tough time can I say her name? Twyla is her name uh, her mom goes here her other sister goes here and um, it, it's tough it's just tough and so let's pray for her Twyla, Lord we just give Twyla to you Lord, she's about to meet you. Gentle Jesus, we ask you to cover her in your presence. Cover her right now. Lord, we ask you to be her comforter, her strength, that, Lord, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit would be with her right now, that angels would be in that room with her right now. And, Lord, you would speak comfortably to her right now in the name of Jesus. Be with Twyla. Be with her sister, Shannon. Be with Pat. Be with, with uh, Lord, the whole family, Tammy, all of them. We pray for the peace of God to cover them in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.